2: So for those of you not watching on YouTube, uh, we're joined today by Nathan Rooney, who's currently manager at Bruno's Magpies in Gibraltar, um, but has a coaching journey that started at Blackburn. Um, he went on to study elite coaching practice at the University of Central Lancashire and the manager's diploma at University of Liverpool. So a non, I don't know whether it's a, a non-traditional, a very theoretical um Journey we, into football management.
3: We we could say that. I think most of the studies have been they've run side by side with the coaching. So the UCLAN one is it's kind of attached prior to the LMA, and the LMA education obviously comes in time when you get yourself to a certain stage. So it's been it's been it's been good. Um, it's been more grass based, and I think we've spanned over seventeen years now. And like wow. every everyone just tries to add them little things along the way. So so yeah.
2: And do you think that that, that combination of um, theoretical and practical simultaneously makes you stand out from other managers who maybe have just gone straight in from playing? Or is it just different approaches? I think,
3: I think it's a different approach, but I think obviously the, the question's been answered a lot in, from a lot of managers as well. And I think the real thing is it's, there'll be things that shift you, what click, things what stay with you. And I think that just runs with your personality. I think it runs with your characteristics as a person. And then with them side skills, I think that just integrates in terms of your football side naturally. Um, I think the answer is no. I don't think it makes you any more advanced than than anybody. I think professional players who go straight into coaching, it's all about does the first job work? And if it doesn't, mm-hmm. the next opportunity straight away. But
1: yeah.
3: if that one lands perfectly, then then the career set even in the management side. So not luck, but... Right place, right time and, and a and a blend of everything really.
2: Did you ever play, like as a kid or kind of growing up, or was it always coaching that you had your heart set on?
3: Yeah, there's a youth setup at Blackburn. There's obviously a younger age groups, so as you know, as a lot of people go up in the young ranks and through the youth development phases. It was more the shadow squads with me, but I knew at a very early age um what my plans were. Put yourself around, around the the correct people. Um and luckily at Blackburn it's from where obviously I learnt my initial trade, there's people there now working who were there 17 years ago. So it's it, it kind of tells you what type of club it is. Um, very open in terms of sharing knowledge. If you're not going to quite make it as a player, they'll give you that honesty, of course. But they'll mm-hmm. set up a session plan for you as well, which a lot of football clubs do now. I think that's that's become a very strong point within within academy systems. But yeah, that's that's where it started. That's
1: good. Yeah, and um. When it comes to uh, you know getting that first role, of course you've uh, came in with no past uh, playing experience and that's something that's not seen very often at all these days in football. Do you believe you've sort of had to I don't know, break taboos with that? Uh, sort of, uh, I, I don't know, do you know what I mean, where it's been a bit more of a difficult uh, route into professional football?
3: I think the difficulty to it is if If your work isn't seen as in as it should be seen in terms of what professional players require or what that level of team that you're working with requires then obviously that will stand out but if you can if you can obviously communicate and you go through earning your stripes just like everybody needs to professional players earn the stripes for twenty years playing coaches who start young will earn the stripes over seventeen twenty thirty years by just being on the grass um but the, the the thing, obviously, to have in mind there is, even if you're coaching in an academy, you are still sharing the cafeteria with that professional player or that professional manager. Um, if you're lucky enough that your training grounds obviously blend with the academy staff and the first-team staff, you get that daily interaction. And then, football aside, like anyone, if you click with somebody or you have that working relationship with somebody, then they, they will help you on the next step. So, not difficult, but a lot of hours... Um, Make your mistakes young, and, and hopefully that holds you in good stead uh, moving forward.
2: And you've worked with some really impressive managers throughout your career. Uwe um, Rosler at Fleetwood and Stephen Presley. Was Stephen Presley at Fleetwood as well as Carlisle? He
3: was, yeah. 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 I worked I, with Stephen. Yeah.
2: yeah, and how have, they, how have working alongside people like that influenced your managerial style?
3: Straight away, you go back to the, the question about playing. Can they put that trust in you to to come and work side by side with them? So obviously, you've got a blend there of obviously uh, Stephen, who's who's played for two of the biggest clubs in in Scotland, captain, um, national team, and also the national team. So that profile of person, never mind player, is is huge. So, but he was a he was a, um, a character who understood his values. He was strong in terms of his tactical side. And I think when you're that young coach who's trying to hang on to everything what the managers say sometimes, but also show them what you can do. We 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 kind of we, we fit in terms of our mannerisms. Um, so Stephen taught me a lot from the from the tactical side and and values and, and real honesty. And I think that comes from Captain Your National side and also two of the biggest clubs in, in Scotland. And then we've also got Euve Rosley, who I was quite lucky in terms of a transition to the club. I went in there after Blackburn as an 18s head of youth, um, kick-started that academy system up to the 23s. And then, like you do, one person gets a, a progression and one moves up. I was lucky enough to spend that grass time with the first team. Um, call it the German style, but obviously he did it at Wigan. He obviously played at City. League United as a manager as well. So for him to come down from Premier League standard to try and get a League One club into the next division... That was, that was big. That was big for not just the club, but everyone around the, the, the foul mm-hmm. court there. So, yeah, really good. Tactically, once again, amazing. ahead uh, of the game. But he also said to me one day, he was saying he wished he came through the youth system as a coach. Mm-hmm. He, he would like that opportunity to make his mistakes. But back to what we said at the start, he didn't, ma- he didn't really make the mistakes. He went in, had success at most of the clubs. And, and that's allowing him to have um, a good managerial career.
2: And you talked there about that kind of the culture change of moving, uh, I guess, the progression of a club and how a club needs to evolve. That's something that you've talked about at Bruno, Bruno's Magpies in terms of, I guess, um, the approach to training, the hours. How on earth do you tackle that alongside being new to a, um, a footballing role, new to a country, and, and as an outsider to a certain extent?
3: I think, yeah, I think the hours are still the same in general. I think you can be classed as a full-time professional club. You can be classed as a semi-professional hybrid club. But I think how your manager wants to operate that team is it kind of runs side by side. So obviously, I was saying I've come from that environment in terms of working as an assistant with with top coaches. Um, And then obviously coming to have that mindset of I think it's a time to now not experiment, but see if I can do it myself. And luckily for the last two years, it's, it's gone. It's just, it's flew and we've, we've not stopped yet. So, hopefully that can continue. But in terms of the question, it's, it's a matter of understanding the group. We've got a lot of South American players. We've got a lot of Spanish players. We've got the homegrown rule in terms of the Gibraltarian players who majority of our players are called up to the national team. And then obviously we've got British players, if, if that's something that I want to recruit. So, <laughs> a blend of lots of knowledge, but well-cultured dress room and... I think even though Gibraltar is a very small nation, which we know, there's a lot of small nations in terms of operating at UEFA. But a lot of players that we are bringing in are well-known. Um, they have played Argentinian top divisions. They have played in, in terms of Africa. We've just brought one in now from from Iceland. So we're trying to maximise our recruitment to make sure that that professional side, what we can't give them all the time, as long as the individuals have that mindset of of making the most out of it, We'll we'll continue to grow as a club. So yeah, that's 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 how we think,
1: really. Yeah, and of course, uh, when you went into the Gibraltar League, uh, I imagine most of the sides were very possession based uh, in terms of that style of play. Mm. When you went to a more um, high stamina and more focus on high press, did it take a bit of a bit of time to get forward to do that? Like, were the players able to meet your high standards initially, or did it take some training and some time to? be able to allow the players to do that.
3: Yeah, and initially over the first four four weeks I think everyone just had the mindset and including myself that it was just like a new manager bounce mentality and it was working because of that. But I think because we're I'm not saying we're the only team now, but at that stage we're the only team who was willing to cover that ground and to change up power within the league so uh when you've when you've got the continental mentality and and you've got the the quality of player at Lincoln and and St. George's in and Europa. And it is, it is a league what operates with four or five top clubs. Nobody will, nobody will um, have a problem with me saying that. So if you, if you can mix up and you can obviously bring that British style and that stamina mentality, then, then you're obviously going to catch the eye but also cause a problem for the opponent who's been used to playing. And it did. Um, but a lot of the pressing side came from the local players. Now the local Gibraltarian players, you I mean they're hungry. They they want to impress. They want to hit that national team level. So, because you have to play four homegrown players within your eleven, you can be clever. It, it sometimes is a game of chess. But in terms of your tactical preparation, for me, my my right winger who wants to cover 12, 13 kilometres a game, then for me that's where you set your press up. On. Um, so finding them early in the first month, and like I said, a lot of the local players were willing to run, run and and chase that progression and, and, and those getting up to the uh, top of the table. So that's how that works. And we've continued to implement the style, but slightly different now since I returned with, um, because the recruitment changed in the summer slightly, but now we're actually playing a lot more football rather than turning the play over higher up the pick. So just a different timing and a different stage of recruitment. Yeah, certainly. And um
1: it, Sorry, Hannah. Uh, like looking at the um, the squad, I imagine there's quite a high, quite a high turnover in terms of players every summer. Do you feel like that sort of hinders you trying to implement your style of play sometimes if there's players coming in, coming out, etc.? It's
3: a great point, and it's something that is actually quite you've mentioned. It's very evident within the within the league. Um, so we've we've had that chat in terms of since I returned, having that continuity. Now in the in the first six months when my first contract ran out and we, we achieved what we achieved. We decided, well, I decided to take that group of players to European competition because the reward, even if, even though them players weren't, not all of them going to come on the next season with us. For me, what they achieved from being in the the second, second bottom to then getting into the top three within that amount of time. For me, you, you can't take that away from them players because they covered every mile for you. So that was the initial target. Now, Average, a lot of players in this league are only twelve-month contracts. We, we are now looking at League One, League Two. We've had a couple of players from that from from that league with the interest to come over. We, we're getting players who will get automatic renewals if they hit a certain amount of games. So the incentive base and like this, like I mentioned about we have the influx of South American players, they want the incentives. I mean, they they want to prove that they can achieve that extra bonus, and then that renews and then for the summer competition. So. Brilliant question. I think the only team who don't really turn them over every 12 months is Lincoln Reddins, who are obviously the Giants over here, I have been the Giants. Um, and that's because they, they carry majority of the national team players.
2: You talked about, um, you, so you left Bruno's Magpies in the summer and then have, have returned. And obviously things have changed uh, there in the meantime. What, what, was the, what was the pull to come back? What, what do you want to achieve now? Because there are so many successes. You won the Rock Cup, you ended the Lincoln-Imps run, uh, unbeaten run, qualified for Europa, as you've mentioned. What's, what's the next target? Or is it just consolidating what you've achieved so far?
3: Yeah, I think it's more bringing the club closer to what the targets are now, because it's been a bit of hands on deck. Um, the success has been on the pitch. Now we're trying to invest in, in bringing more staff in so they can maybe consolidate where the club is. Maybe at the end of the season they might have to say, look, we've got to move majority of the players on to, to grow again. I don't know. We'll, we'll sit down and decide that. But the pull for me was, this, I went to Portugal and it was a, a very good side who's played top, top division for many years. Um, just found myself logistically, it just wasn't quite right due to the project and it just wasn't kicking off and... The compliment was the chairman called me call me again from Mike Pies, who's the ex chairman at Watford. Um, Hague, he was with Elton John in the in the good days. So he, yeah, he's a brilliant man to work for, and he just said, "Look, it's we've lost what we had. We're willing to move on the current guy, um, right. but you need to be here in 24 hours." So, <laughs> it's a quick, quick Uber taxi to Porto Airport and <laughs> and a, a flight. Malaga and we've picked up where we finished and yes we kept sorry the club had kept 60% of the players and um, they invested in what they wanted to uh, move forward with and and here we are and we've got to see where we end up this season
1: Yeah of course and you mentioned there that uh, 60% of the players had remained in the club and that's obviously 60% that you're familiar with mm. did you sort of rely on players again for your second stint or did you act as if it was a clean slate as if it was a fully new squad. No,
3: was, there's something... I, I believe in hierarchy within a, within, a, within a dress room. I believe in that hierarchy in terms of you've got us there, but you still have to sustain your your, your performance levels like, like any, any manager would expect. But at the same time, the current crop that I had four or five months previous, they were calling for the change to happen. Um, and they, that, that message then led on to the new recruits who was kind of eager to, to see what it was all about. Um, and for me I put all my time in the new recruits within but I only had seven. I think I had eight, nine days before the Super Cup final which is the Community Shield over here against Lincoln um, so we only had that seven day period to build that morale and and then that togetherness and like I said I didn't need to waste my time with my players that I had they, they know about me I know about them um, so yeah it was it was all hands on deck and, and, and quickly get to know the new recruits and yeah we, we had a really good static we went five out of five and the cup built confidence because I think everyone was a bit hesitant of how it was going to go. I'm not um I was one of them as well. It was a bit of a sleepless night before this the uh, the super cup. If if we got that trophy, we know we could kick start. And if we didn't, it might have been oof, bad decision. Yeah. So but luckily or with the hard work with we're in a good position.
2: And when you've got new players coming in, like you talked about when you first went to um bruno's magpies having to put your foot down a little bit about players with um, travel and other time commitments who are juggling that with family life is that something that kind of as a a leader as a manager you had to put yourself out of your comfort zone to do or is it something that's quite natural and also has that when people now are joining Bruno, Bruno's Magpies, is that what they expect in terms of, you know, it's part of the recruitment like the, this is this is how things work here?
3: Yeah, it is now. It is now. I think mm-hmm. we've all agreed that we, we need to be a top three side um, and obviously like any club, you can be sustainable if you continue to hit them competitions in the summer, European competitions. So that's the clear message now. Back then, um, which is can't believe it, it's over two years ago already, <laughs> it's a matter of British voice, um, young, energetic, um, clear on the messages. But like you mentioned, Hannah, it was about finding what the problems were, um, like any job. But at the same time, the, the real problems were just, it was intensity. It was people forgetting that the players who come to Gibraltar have played at a top level within their country. And then when they come here, it might be because they want a better life or... They want to be classed as hybrid, where they can only train maybe five times a week, one double session, or some weeks it might only be three sessions a week. So it's, it's having that, like I mentioned, the professional mindset, but they might come to Gibraltar because they want to win a league or they want to go to Europe, which within their home countries, they might not get that opportunity. Just like myself, realistically, if I'm going to hit the Champions League or Europa League conference in a different country then it's going to obviously take a good amount of years. Um, but as we stand, that's that's the prize pot. And that's why it's exciting to, this is how it is, and everyone just gets in line. So, um, but the food and the travelling and making sure we knew where the map was and who was travelling the distance. And do we have to accommodate that with hotels, near the training facility? Because in Gibraltar, everyone's bilingual. So, you mean, I've come in as the English man, a lot of the Spanish understand that. Um mm-hmm. I use terminology in terms of Spanish language now, but I don't use conversation in Spanish language because it's still me and I don't want to be, I don't want my tone to slow down. I don't my, want my approach to change. So now you, you can hear all the captain and vice captain and they're constantly translating quickly. Um, so we've, we've got a really good environment and and yeah, we I just try and, try and help them out as much as I can and give them as many days off as I can in terms of the ones who travel from uh, maybe be top of Andalusia or the ones who need to go back to Argentina for five, six days. It's, it's all these things. Um, mm-hmm. but it only happens if, if the points are on the table.
2: And given that those, um, potential wins in terms of experience managing in Europe, are you surprised that more English managers or a- aspiring managers don't kind of go abroad to, to earn their stripes if you like?
3: Hmm. Yes. Um, but even abroad, there's still not that many jobs. Mm. I mean, you, you look at our league. You've got you've got managers who've been in this league majority of their life, and and that's that's where they want to start and that's where they want to end. You've got you've coaches like any country aspiring to get to the Premier League of their country. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm coming from England, obviously, which I did, and I've come here. If it didn't work, then what's my challenge next? Maybe go back to academy football in England to to start again or to build that success again. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's still only 11 jobs in this league and a lot of the players, a lot of the managers, sorry, some have managed, they play played for Cadiz, they played at Seville. I mean, they've played in that Mm -hmm. bigger uh, environment and they're also earning their management games here. You look at Scandinavia, I think there's more opportunities there. Um, There's a lot of English coaches who are going from academies to academies overseas. Mm -hmm. I know there's a massive, massive influx of British coaches who are, Taking under 16s, under 18s jobs in in really strong countries, but then where does that lead them after that? Maybe that's what they want to do. So, mm. I think so, yeah. But I think the family side's got to work. I think you've got to be at a certain age where you can pack your bags and go. Um, luckily for me, our well, my wife she plays football. Um, she's in Betis, so <laughs> wherever we've gone, we've we've kind of it's kind of worked. The only time it's not worked is when I was down south at Crawley and and it was just that travelling, but I think that's the life of of being in football.
2: Yeah, the irony is it would probably take you longer to get from Crawley (laughs) back up here than it would to get from uh, Malaga to Batiste. Um, Lewis?
1: Uh, Yeah, uh, just on on that point beforehand where you mentioned um, players coming into the league and the club due to the prospect of European football, is that the main thing that drew you in, as well, or the other aspects of managing the Gibraltar League, that sort of drew drew you to it.
3: Absolutely, it's obviously when the job was when the job was offered. It was it's like anything; it's a relationship that I built up ten years ago. So I visited Gibraltar ten, eleven years ago when I was complete. Sorry, twelve years ago when I was completing my A license, um, being around the national team setup and just observing. So like we said, that one relationship that reference this guy's available this is what you need to do or it might suit you then there's been a conversation I think but taking a club from second bottom with an unknown um, identity or an unknown realism in terms of how the league operates that's a risk um, <laughs> but yeah it's you Europa League you know what I mean we, we got there with three games of spur I was I was ex- the staff out on two or three nights I remember on the bounce because that night could have got us into Europe it didn't quite happen then the following Tuesday I said to the staff right we're going out for some tapas tonight because I just wanted to be with them in terms of when it actually was announced or when we got it over the line so there was a lot of good good anxious energy shall we say Um, but to get there was was a dream and I don't think people realise how that feels and to wear that tag around your neck with the europa league conference on there and to travel to switzerland and be there for the draw with with the with the top clubs in the world so i don't take it for granted and i won't take it for granted this season either um but it's a selling point for players but at the same time we don't put that in the contract if we get there then we might say look we've put in there there's a there's a renewal for an extra two months you've earned it or you haven't so it's not it's not the pinnacle forum it's we want them here for the business and if we get there will 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 majority of the time we given the opportunity to come
1: yeah and um of course um you know if the prospect of european football that most likely won't be the case if you went straight into a job in england which might be in the championship league 1 or league 2 do you believe that the prospect of european football is just too difficult to turn down and because of because of course seed likes Graham potter who go abroad and then come back to England. He went to Swansea, I believe. Is that a similar route you could see yourself going down as well? Or is it just too difficult to say no to European football in the club that you're at currently?
3: I think that's I think in the last twelve months that's been something I've had my eye on in terms of what what the journey and how it's gonna end. um, or or continue, shall we say? I did I think I did an article as well on Graham when there was a few questions and He's slightly different. I think he went from fourth division, third division, second, and then went to the first, and then got to Europa League, which is incredible. Uh, So that story is great in terms of promotions, and I think clubs in any country are looking for managers who can get promotions. Now, when you're in A division, where it's A division, Mm -hmm. what are then people looking for? So my angle is achieve the top three again, if there's a change of budget or a change of angle, then maybe we can push for the second spot and coefficiency might get us into Europa League and not Europa League Conference, all these different things. And we're in the mix to push for the title. Um I'm not one to I'm not one to say uh, the budgets dictate where people finish because I think you can always maximize your group. Um but I think my story to Grams is he's had to experience four divisions, which is incredible. I'm experiencing the same divisions. We're building on previous year, previous year, previous year. Um, so it's more of a club model rather than recruit players, coach, promotion, recruit players, coach, promotion. So I, I hope that I can do a little bit more. Um, but to to keep an eye on what Graham's done in the past, it's amazing to get to the Premier League and, and have the jobs that he's had. And who knows, He's I believe he's on, he's on the radar for a couple of jobs coming up as well.
2: And in terms of that, what, what, what's your kind of five-year plan, your 10-year, what, what your ambitions like?
3: Yeah, in the short term, I want to do something a bit extra within UA for competition. So first round's fine. Um, qualifying rounds, sorry, are fine. We, but I think to get on that radar a little bit more is to get to round two, get the Bordeaux glimpse, get your FC Basils, get, get that, that calibre of, of club. Um, so that's the short-term side. If we can push for something here for the title and, and, and experience Champions League football in the next 12 months, then then even better. But I think I think five years... I've I've always said it, and the average age now, if you look at a lot of the managers coming in, you've 34s, 35s, 36s, the recruitment of managers now are getting younger. Um, project, maybe jobs. But I, I do want to be in the Championship in the next four or five years. It might be ambitious to say... Um, but I think in terms of manage the games, get your experience, keep recruiting the players and, and, and just keep learning from, from your next game and homegrown clubs, Blackburn Rovers, that's where I'd love to end up again in the future. <laughs> I've put it out there. Um, but no, all in all, that my ambition is to be back in England to settle. But for the next couple of years, maybe three, I'm quite happy to, to work abroad and, and, and keep learning from them, them cultures.
2: And presumably the opportunity has to match your particular set of skills and strengths and also you know you talked earlier about you managers having um a a role that was a poor match for them it doesn't go well and you know that compromises their their career so when you're um uh I guess when there's interest in you as a as a manager coming in and, and you're interviewing what kind of club and structure and setup? Are you are you looking for?
3: Yeah, I think you've got to choose your jobs wisely. Absolutely, fortunes um, will obviously have five or six offers at a time, and they, and they can be quite. Mm. You can set the time and, and choose the correct one. I think if you're young and you're hungry, and sometimes you can jump in, and maybe it might not quite work. And the difference here to coming back home is the last time, really, where I've been in front of five, six, seven, eight thousand fans is when I was an assistant in lead mm-hmm. I've being over here, that fluctuates. So the numbers have, are obviously a lot, lot less until you get to Euro- European competition and you can feel them, them big crowds again. So for me, I've got to be clever. I do see myself hopefully going back in at League two level. And know clubs are now looking to promote Academy staff, Academy mm-hmm. players, and have that youth progression to be sustainable. I've got that background. I've been involved in, in good player sales. Um, but a club that if they do think and they can put the trust in somebody to come in and set an identity and manage a dressing room, for me, yes, I'm young. But when you're managing, like I mentioned, South American players and Mexican players and Spanish players, I mean, for me, that's that's tougher than managing your own culture, um, mm-hmm. especially from a communication point of view. So I'd like, I'd like the clubs to see that. But like I said, for here and now, my targets are set. Um, but I do think a good blend of um good football, managing the dressing room and also introducing new footballers, I think that's definitely my strength.
1: Yeah, certainly. Um <clears throat> you mentioned there like the club vision is uh, very important to you in five or ten years time when you do end up moving on to potentially an English club. And it's safe to say that you've uh, more than dabbled in youth coaching, for the likes of Blackburn and Fleetwoods. And mm-hmm. How much emphasis would you need for the importance of bringing players up through the academy, as opposed to just looking at the transfer window and bringing in players externally?
3: Well, if if it if it's a club if it's a club target and that's set out, then obviously you've got to follow that through. So that's that's a part of the remit. But at the same time, I always say to young players that what you don't want to do is bring them in and then throw them back out again.
1: Mm-hmm. I
3: think. If you're going to do that, and for me, I'm a big believer of leaving them two, three places available for the young players, then leave the spots available and really and really put your time and emphasis on that. Because scouts aren't coming to games now to watch your 11. They're not watching that. The scouts are coming to games now to watch that one 17, 18-year-old get his 10, 11 minutes. So we know it's a business. And I'm, I'm well equipped in terms of the experience from an assistant point of view, managing that situation. Um, but it might be that one game where your job depends on that result and you might have to turn around and you might say the trust is going with the experience. So I think that comes down to instincts and it comes down to circumstance. But absolutely, every club's doing it and, and your question earlier about contracts over here being only twelve months for some players and constant turnover. <clears throat> I think that's happening in, in the top divisions as well. So so yeah, it's exciting and I would love to uh I'd love to get back and, and hopefully showcase them them skills
2: um in december uh because i follow you on twitter you announced that you had done uh, 100 games as a manager and that follows 100 games as an assistant
3: mm.
2: what is there one thing that you can uh i kind of and your hat on and say that's the biggest learning I guess from from being an assistant to being a manager or your biggest takeaway uh in the roles that you've done so far
3: yeah um I think your biggest learning is is for me as a number two because like I mentioned is you, you you're not working for yourself there you, you you're operating the instructions from from what the manager requires now, yes, we can think that might be right, might be wrong, but at the end of the day, you're there to support that instruction. So the biggest learning has been from that, being transferring a message from, from the head coach into the dressing room. And I think there was a couple of games where my manager was suspended, four yellow cars, three yellow cars, whatever the rule was back then. Um, and another other factors, family matters. So there was two games, where I remember, down at Crawley where I was in charge. Um, we were... Only just above the relegation spot, and um, I think it was Grimsby actually. We beat him two on an hour at, at home, and the manager was in the stand. Um, so that was a real experience. And he said before the game, It's on you. <laughs> I said, Brilliant. Um, <laughs> and I, I think that's the right thing to do because you, you're in the game, you're talking to your bench. Yes, you listen to, to instructions from your manager, and we were very clear from the week how it was going to operate, but. Um, and we got the we got the win after I think it was seven seven games without anything. So that really kickstarted my confidence, like you would mm-hmm. as a young. Fans are obviously there on, on board, and there was a couple of the games, um, in the same situation. So, yeah, I think your learning experience there is it's your time to stand on the touchline. Um, different way of taking instructions and managing the group. So that happened, and that really gave me the flavour for, for one day stepping as as the head coach. But I think as the head coach, I think you find the time to go and do it now coming abroad you're kind of out of sight um you're out of sight in terms of your previous um working positions new people can you impress them can you share the knowledge can you give them something that they don't quite know and at the same time what can you get back in return so I think that might be one of the answers why people <clears throat> come abroad because they might want to do the job there first be with a different set of people um which I have done I've, you don't see friends. You don't really see family unless they fly out and visit you. So, um, so yeah, it's, that's probably the best learning curve has been the interim positions mm-hmm. or coming away from your local town and and working for new people. So, so yeah, that's probably the best too. Uh,
1: yeah. Um, one other thing. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah. So uh, in uh, Gibraltar. Well, of course, of course, in England, uh, you'll come across coaches and work with coaches, especially in the lower leagues and the youth setup, which will be predominantly English. But of course, in Gibraltar, like the players, you've got coaches from all sorts of walks of life. Do you believe that's had any sort of impact on your coaching style? Say, for example, the like the players coming through from South America, have they taught you something as well, which has led to you adapting your playing style? Yeah,
3: I, I think it still comes from what they expect as a person. That Argentina is money-wise, the money what they get here is probably double what they or triple what they could earn back at home. So it's like survival mentality, um, and that would help me in the future in terms of my recruitment. Because yeah. in, if if you've got a player that's are willing to earn his money for a different reason, um, then you know what you're going to get from that person week in week out. And for me, that's massive. You look at now the Afghan situation. Sorry, tournament, not situation, um, where you've got like the Guinea-Bissau players, which I'm quite high up on. I've visited that country a couple of times. These players are athletes, um, so that's probably what I would look at in terms of do I want the athletic side, do I want the survival mentality? But in our league, the national coach is Uruguayan. Um, you've got the Spanish style, which I've said. So my aggressive, pressing side and, and now more footballing um, way of playing that's that's changed because of what the opponents giving us. So, for example, when when I first went in, teams were like, it's "Bruno Magpies, we can just go tour to tour and we can we can get the result." For us, we really focused on that first month of being the defensive and getting super super fit, um, and we didn't lose a game and I think twelve games on the bounce. Then in the second season, people were still thinking about us, um, but then it was more of tour to tour a new way of, of winning. And now this year, it's another way of playing, which I'm learning from obviously the Spanish coaches as well, is we've got all the ball. Because teams are now sitting on the halfway and waiting for us. So from within two and a half years, we've gone from underdog to toe-to-toe mentality to now sitting off us. So, yeah, there's, there's so many different ways that you can observe, but it still comes down to the players that you've got. So, yeah, that's, that's been brilliant that's been the best part for me because this league is offering three or four different styles but it's coming down to the respect of what your opponents are, are giving you or what you're giving them
2: right we've I think we've come to the end of our time so thank you very much for talking to us it's been really interesting particularly about the the kind of different dynamics of the the game in Gibraltar and um, good luck for then I know you've got uh is it Mons Calpit this weekend and then uh Lincoln Redempts the weekend after.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've got uh, yeah, two tough games. It's with a long winter break as well. It, you're right. some friendlies and, and trying to catch up your time. So, mm-hmm. so we can we can start where we finished off. And thank you for your time. It's it's been been very, very good. Thank you.
2: Thank you. And uh thank you, Lewis, who I didn't introduce at the beginning.
1: Lewis. I just got
2: into the swing of things. <laughs> um, you'll be able to, if you've, uh, if you've listened to this uh, podcast on Spotify, you'll also be able to watch it on um, YouTube and other uh, podcasting platforms. And you can follow us at um, Look Sports Media on Twitter. Uh, we'll see you again soon.